CougarFan.com, Rice and Shout Podcast, episode 437. Get all of your Cougar news at CougarFan.com, including all of the stories tomorrow and throughout the week telling you how bad the college football playoff committee is. Matt? Oh, what's up, buddy? Wow, we are, we are starting salty tonight. We are starting salty. Uh, did you see Kalani? I watched Kalani's interview on ESPN. <laughs> but did you see his presser after? No. Well, he said he was directly asked the question about the idiot from Iowa's comment about Boise State um, was undermanned. And he said, well, I don't know that their quarterback plays defense. And I know it's hard to win with the third string quarterback. We did it last year. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kalani is fired up. And the fact that well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm, right, I'm right. jumping. There's I'm jumping ahead. There's a lot of this. Uh, I'm jumping ahead. Um, Matt, uh, two two nights ago, so we're watching. We've decided, you know, with not visiting family and other stuff this holiday because it's COVID and it's stupid. Um, we're trying to focus on some fun things. One of which is we've scheduled, like, not just hey, we're going to watch these Christmas movies. We've scheduled them, like we're going to watch them on this day, right, so that they really happen. And have you seen the Netflix Christmas movie Claus or Klaus? Oh, the animated one? Yeah. No. Did you guys watch it last year? No, we did not. Highly recommend it. It's very good. It's uh, J.K. Simmons plays Claus and good cast, uh, good story. Um, It's an instant classic for me. And did you know Netflix has said they're going to produce two major Christmas movies, one live action and one animated every year. Wow. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of content that Netflix. So what are other must-watch Christmas movies for you every season? What are what are the three you can't live without? Well, there's the there's the classic Elf. Oh yeah, I, that's on our list too. Um, you know, that's that's one that I, I feel like I definitely watch every year. Uh, I did watch uh, last weekend the uh, more recent animated Grinch movie. Yeah, we watched that last year. It was fun. I really I really like that one. It's actually my of, of the three major Grinch movies. It's my favorite. The the live action. Was that two years ago? I think it was two years ago. We decided to watch the live action Grinch and we're like, oh, this is one of the worst movies ever. It is terrible. The one with Jim Carrey is it the is Grinch? so bad. There's all yeah. sorts of like sexual references in there. It's not good. It's not a kids movie. And it's not even it's not like it's not super funny. No, and it made and, all the who's into like just terrible human beings. Yeah, it was almost like it was almost like somebody wanted to tell a version of the story where the Grinch was right. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. it made no sense. Yeah, it was terrible. All right, so uh, Home so, Alone is very popular in my house with mm, my kids. We've never, we've never watched it as a family. I don't think. Oh, my five-year-old. It's one of his favorite movies. He oh. watched it like over the summer. Mm, well, I mean, good choice. Good choice. All right. Well, we also watch uh, Muppet uh, Christmas Carol. Great one. Also year. here. Excellent. Light the lamp, not the rat. Um, Great movie. Oh, it's really, it's really fun. And then. Uh, you know, some of the classics, the original Grinch, R- Rudolph, which actually I think still plays pretty well. It's a weird movie, that, that uh, you know, original Rudolph one. 
It's a little with the elf that wants to be a dentist. Yeah, but it's it is it's very clever. I mean, it still has some some good funny bits um, to it. And you know how kids are; they don't care about the stop animation stuff, right? And I think they kind of I think it still intrigues kids yeah. because it's just a different look. Yeah, it's a different look, so it it doesn't look like everything else. Um, and then, of course, I try to watch It's a Wonderful Life every year. It doesn't always end up happening because nobody wants to watch it with me. Yeah, I will sometimes have that on on Christmas Eve, uh, but then I end up watching the the bowl game that's on. Yeah. Um, what about Die Hard? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Not for me. I know for a lot of people they consider it. It happens at Christmas. I watched. I've watched Die Hard many times, uh, theoretically because it's R rated. So I've never watched it. But in like that alternate universe where I've watched those movies. Um, I've watched it many times and, but not as a Christmas movie to me, like it's fine if people do that and that's their tradition rock on, but not for me. I'll watch it a different time. And one that I think that it'll probably just be me and my wife will watch it this year, but we were talking about it the other day was, uh, the white Christmas from 1954. You know, I haven't haven't watched that in years, but I think it might be fun. We watched, do you remember, did we talk about this on the show, uh, court jester this summer during our. You know, oh, COVID isolation. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, great movie with Danny Kay. Um, and uh, so we may break that one out this year. It's not on the list, but uh, that we have so far, but it doesn't mean it won't happen. All right. Well, let's uh, stop talking about Christmas movies. And let's... I could keep going. Yeah, there's we could. Some great Christmas movies out there. But Fantastic. All right. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's climb on in the tweet bag. Tweet bag. So our first question comes from Keith Smith. And he always has interesting questions. He, of course, emailed us, and you can email the show at byupodcast.com. I'm just kidding. I just want to, after last week's debate, I I thought it'd be uh, fun. Riseandshoutpod at gmail.com. All right. So Keith said this. Hey, guys, sorry I missed it, but I'm looking for the recent episode where you gush about L.A. as the greatest sports city. Huh. Interesting, Keith. I missed that episode too, Keith. Lakers, Dodgers, even the Raiders are looking great this year. Uh, The Raiders Mm. left LA a long time Uh. ago, Keith. I'm sorry to break that news to you. They're in Las Vegas, and that's not just a COVID thing, Keith. They're they're gone. Yeah, yeah, they got a very fancy stadium that no one's been in yet. Besides the the players, Uh, can you send me the link to that show? Play a game in there, and they allowed fans. What's that? I thought UNLV played a game in there and, and allowed fans. Oh, that may be true. I didn't realize that. If that's true, I did not know that. I've just Man, if if it is true, that means more people have gone to UNLV football games this year than Raiders games, which is fantastic in in a certain <laughs> level. Um, can you send me the link to this show about LA sports over my yeah, dead body? I got your link right here, Keith. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you can keep your LA sports town. Um, he says, in fact, I've heard rumors about BYU opening a satellite campus in LA. So Cougar athletes have plenty of warm sunshine for practice and to keep them out of trouble. One honor code study noted that 76% of honor code violations were attributed to Provo weather. We were cold, students said. Can you confirm these rumors? I really think it would help our recruiting pipeline out of SoCal. Which, by the way, this is a guy from Southern California calling it SoCal. So don't, the rest of you Californians, don't at me about we don't call it SoCal. He called it SoCal, not me. I don't do that. Um, Matt, is the honor code 
attributed to the cold weather? I don't believe that's actually true, Keith. I'd, ha- I think, I'd have to actually see the study. I think he um, may have made that up. I'm guessing. Possible. I'm guessing. Um, and having lived with Keith as roommates for, uh, what, three years of college, right? Two and a half years of college? How long was it? A lot of people it? go to college for seven years. Uh, he, uh, he does make things up. And then I think his last point is serious. Finally, might I suggest a Rise and Shout top fans Zoom call where your most active participants get a chance to chat with you and each other face to face. I kind of like that idea. Except it's not face to face. It's virtual. Well, but yeah, still, I, I'm in. Hmm. All right, Keith. This may be your first good suggestion. Wow. I like it. It's high praise. It's high praise. Very high Keith. praise. Very high praise. All right. So Spencer Thurman off of Facebook. And if you want to join the uh uh if you want to join the conversation on Facebook, you can do it at Facebook.com slash rise and shout. He says, I'm probably too late. You're not, Spencer. You got it. I caught this one right before we started recording. But since everyone is probably going to ask about the college football playoff, not a bad guess. Taysom, actually no one asked about Taysom, but we will talk about him, and future opponents, I want to know your votes for best LDS movies. Here's my top five. Here's the top five is Saints and Soldiers, Brigham City, Forever Strong, Pride and Prejudice, and Take a Chance. I don't even know what that last one is. I've, I've, Take a Chance? I'm not familiar with that one. I'm trying to Google it, but I, I got nothing. I don't know if I have a top five, and I didn't put enough thought into this, Spencer, because you asked at the last second. Um, but I would say I do love Saints and Soldiers. I think that's a, a very good movie. Um, yeah, Saints and Soldiers was good. Uh, the RM, I have absolutely knocked out because they stole part of my comedy routine and put it in the yep. movie. Yep. So that one is uh, off. You can't can't watch that one. Um, was it? No, no, it wasn't the RM. It was the other one. It was those same guys. Uh, Singles Ward. It was Singles Ward. Oh, they stole. Singles Ward? Yeah, they stole okay. my... Uh, that The soundtrack to the RM is actually quite good. Um, I have not seen Brigham City in so long. I remember enjoying it at the time. Um, and then the uh, the recording kind of on stage of Saturday's Warrior. Would that be in the top five? It's a classic. It is, it is a Will classic. Will I wait for you? Um, I don't know. I'm not a big independent movie guy, so I don't watch a lot of some of these, obviously. So, so sorry, I'll, I'll tell you this, and some of this, and uh, I I could give you five. I don't know. I I could give you five that I that I really enjoyed. Saints and Soldiers is definitely on that it's list. Really good. Uh, the best two years. Oh, the I best two years. Really, yeah, yeah. I really liked that movie. Oh, the Beehive, uh, the Beehive one. Our kids really liked that one. I thought it was cute. It was fun. Um, now I'm drawing a blank on the name of the other one I wanted to mention, so I'll, I'll skip it and come back. Saratov Approach. Um, well, I haven't seen it. Uh, I, I thought was good. Um, the Other Side of Heaven. Oh, um, yeah. Which I thought was very good. The book there, I read that book right after I got home from my mission. Um, so I was very much still like in that. Yeah. yeah. Anne Hathaway. My mission stage. Mm-hmm. In that one. Um, I mean, there there are some good ones out there. I mean, if you Google this, I mean, there's a there's some in here. There's there's movies that are showing up on lists here that I've that I've heard of and never seen, and some that I've that I've never heard of. Yeah, um, um, and we don't live in Utah, some, so we don't get there. like the billboards. 
But Spencer doesn't love Utah either. So, I don't know. I did like Meet the Mormons. We went and saw that in the theater. I, I thought that was that was fun and interesting. Hmm. Um, All right. Well, interesting question. All right. Jeremy has an email question for us. Jeremy Ashton. I noticed that you ended this week's show, or last week's show, was still two minutes and 48 seconds remaining when I ended it. So I kept listening to make sure I didn't miss anything more that you said. It got me thinking. If Rise and Shout were to add an MCU-style post-credit scene to their show, what would it be? Uh, what would have been great last week if the post-credit show was me talking to Mark Pope about his upcoming extension? <laughs> that would have been a good... Yeah. I, you know, me, me at the creamery. I walk into the creamery and Mark Pope is sitting there at a table and I sit down and I go, Mark, here you're going to be with us until 2027. And then he says, I wouldn't have it any other way, Adam, as we both eat some delicious ice cream. What do you think of that? Or or where, uh, or it, the, the podcast ends and all of a sudden it shows up in its film, right? Just like in your scenario. Yeah. And it pans. It's a picture of me sitting here at my desk with the microphone and the computer out. And it pans back. And there's Kalani Satake sitting across the room from me. And, and he just says, that was a good show. That was a good show. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those would be good, Jeremy. So maybe we'll see something like that in the future. We'll see. Um, by the way, that was just a mistake. I just didn't cut off the outro music at the end. It was just... I've never li- I've never heard the full outro song. I enjoyed listening to it on on regular full and slow speeds. Mm, there you go. Look at you go. It's very entertaining. Very entertaining. Tim Jacobson also had an email, and he says, "Do I have this right? This is about last week's show. You spent." Four and a half minutes talking about nacho cheese in the opener and then punted on BYU basketball. Hey, that's you guys' fault. Nobody asked us about basketball. Actually, he did in that. And we, we, we didn't answer the question. Well, the problem the was is we, got, we got carried away with, with what was front-loaded in the program. So then we got yeah, yeah. to his question. We were way behind, partially because we'd spent four and a half minutes talking about nacho cheese in the opener. But, Which, uh, by the way, there's nothing wrong with charm, that. Guys. It's part of our charm. Nacho cheese is delicious. Um, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, we, we totally whiffed on that. By the way, we're also not going to talk about basketball much in this show. I will say, obviously, the big news is Pope's extension, um, which is great. Um, and I think was kind of inevitable. Yeah, I, I think you have to sign that extension. And I am looking forward to watching, um, you know, the opening opening weekend here at college basketball. I, I don't think there's much to worry about tomorrow, particularly with Westminster. But no, no, I'm it not. will be fun. It will be fun to get a look at the team in some real game action. You know, we've seen a televised practice, but that's not the same. Well, and it looks like UVU. Unfortunately, they may not be playing them Saturday. I don't know if that's official yet, but they've paused activity due to COVID. I I will say this: I think college basketball is in trouble over the next month and a half. I think there's going to be a lot of cancellations. And if you look at it, right, you're talking about a couple games a week. And right now, college football is having trouble, you know, not canceling half the games. And they only have to do it once a week, right? Well, it's going to be tough. From what we from what we've seen in every sport, both at the professional and collegiate level, when they first get going, it's a struggle. And these guys are also up against the backdrop of a, a a big spike in case counts across the entire country. Yep. Uh, the holidays, which require a lot of traveling, 
and then you're playing, like you said, you're playing two games a week that require, like if you're the road team, you may be traveling to two different towns inside of a two, three or four day period. Yeah. So uh, there's just there's a lot working against you there in this environment for college basketball. It's it's I think I think you're right. It's going to be a rocky start. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong, right? And it's not as bad as I think, but but regardless, BYU's team. I mean, people were fired up about the you know the initial rankings of some of the computer systems and like they should be higher than. 80 whatever they were and I'm not fired up about that because when you lose most of your production the analytics aren't going to like you to start the next year that's just how it works right they, they do not base they can't base on potential alone right because teams that lose that much production typically are worse the next year it's not always the case right but you know you, we should expect BYU to take a step back but unlike the analytics you and I talked about this a few weeks ago we don't think they're taking three steps back. We just think it's one. Right? They'll be still yeah. a good team, but they're not going to be as good as last year. We don't believe. I mean, I hope they are. Uh, but, you know, uh, typically, you know, we, we there were a lot of veterans on, on last year's team with a lot of history and minutes. So we'll see. I think I have a little bit more optimism for them to be close to what they were last year you than do. you do. But, yeah. Um, but I... I it, we also it's unfortunate we don't we don't know for sure how how good that team really was right like we have an idea it would have been a lot more fun to get to yeah, see them to see them go through it and i will say they did those that photo shoot and sent out those photos i'm sure you've seen BYU basketball tweet those out yeah facebook those out Caleb Lohner i would like to grow up to be like him someday he looks like a superhero i he really does like the hair uh the muscles i'm just like huh. Yeah, I'd like to grow up to be like him someday. Um, all right, so next one is a Facebook question from Johnny Ashton. He says, I'm grateful for the Rise and Shout podcast. Hashtag give thanks. Thanks, Johnny. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, which B- five BYU football plays from 2020 are you most grateful for? You can do players instead if plays are too hard. Think there are a lot to think through. He has five plays. Kickoff first Navy, just because it was exciting to kick off. Old Droid to Gunther onside kick for Houston. Great one. Um, Wilson's Mahomes-like shovel pass to Wake, uh, Mason Wake versus Houston. Algiers' 86-yard run to start the game versus Boise. That was that was pretty awesome. Um, and then Warner's interception versus UTSA. The game was too close, he says. And good thing Warner had this pick early, which probably saves the game for us. Matt, I, I, I'm bad at remembering plays on the spot, but... Uh, do you have any plays in addition to to Johnny's you'd like to throw in? Well, I look at a couple of these. Let me see. I want to make sure I don't necessarily repeat what uh, what Johnny had here. But no, yeah, I don't to, think he you? had this one. I might, I might. Um, uh, early in the game against UTSA, we went for we went for it on fourth down. Yeah, and Zach Wilson hit one. Powell in the corner of the end zone, and he just got his and he got his foot down right in the corner there. Um, that's a pretty good one. Um, uh, Kafusi's, um, Kafusi's interception, his pick six. Yeah, that was good. That was, that was pretty good. Um, I would say all of the Romney plays where he's almost in the end zone and he makes a great catch. Like, yes. I just a, throw those together. Those. 
Yeah. There's several of those. And then Troy Warner's uh, interception we where he went up and over the uh, receiver against oh, Louisiana. Oh yeah, that was that was a fun one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a really good one. So, great place, great question. Great question, Johnny. Um he has a second question, which teams are you rooting for in a Patriots versus Saint matchup if Taysen is the starting QB? <laughs> He's trying to put us on the spot. Well, see what's interesting about this is uh, let me ask you this question. Did you watch NFL football Sunday afternoon. I did this not. Past week. So I did. Okay. And there were two, the Patriots and the Saints were playing at the same time. Yeah, I did not have the Saints game on TV here locally. Ah, uh, I see. So you didn't have the, you didn't have the problem I had. You had to switch back and forth. Because the Patriots were playing the Texans. Yes. Yeah, so, so the two teams that I get where I matter, the Texans and the Saints. Well, and I had the Patriots game. I did not. I did not get the Saints game, though. We got, I forget who we got. I was annoyed about it. I watched the Saints game. I'm just going to say it. Mm. But who would you root the, for between the, the two Saints teams? Game. I'd have to, I listen, I, I have to root for the Patriots in that scenario. Um, I would as well. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do the thing that everybody does where, like, I lived in the place, right? So I lived in Louisiana. I, I do find myself cheering for the Saints in certain scenarios, but I can't. I can't cheer for a team against the Patriots. I just can't do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. And, and here's the thing with Taysom. I am on record, and it doesn't make me a hater, as saying that I didn't think Taysom would ever be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Okay? Um, I just didn't think he'd ever get the opportunity uh, to do that. And, you know, undrafted free agent quarterbacks are fairly rare. Right? I mean, it happens on occasion, but it's it's pretty rare that they get um, anything besides junk time or maybe the occasional start because of injury like Taysom's getting. What I would say, though, is he played really well against a bad Atlanta team, and uh, I hope he does really well, and I think he will do fine. Uh, but I I think, uh, I think you know, you, you got to not get too excited about one game. Um, but he was amazing in that game. He did a great job. I mean, I, I will say this. I mean, yeah, he did. He did a great job. I believe that Taysom Hill is an NFL quarterback. I think he makes throws now that he couldn't make uh, when he first came into the league. I agree. He and is. He is much improved. He has gotten. He has got a lot better. I think he can throw a more accurate deep ball. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit less quick to just go to his legs. Um, but there was a couple. There were a couple times on Sunday where he. I felt like he went. He took off a little quick. Um, and maybe I'm maybe I'm incorrectly reading it. Maybe on those plays it was a designed draw type of a situation. Um, but uh, well, it doesn't do have to be a designed draw. And he's better. And he's better than Winston. Yeah, Sean Payton is even over over Winston. Sean Payton has even said this that sometimes it's a one read and then go, right play. So it's not a strict draw, right? It's it's the first guy's open, hit him. If it's not, it's go. So Sean Payton said that earlier in the year that they had. Uh, plays designed for him that were exactly that, right? And it all also depends on whether they've got a spy on him or not. Winston is terrible. Anybody who's saying that Winston should have been the starter beforehand, before Hill, number one, doesn't know about economics. You don't pay one guy a million and another guy 10 and then lean on the million dollar guy, right? And the other piece is Winston's not any good. He's already proven that. There's lots of film on him being not good. Yeah, it's he's a known commodity and he's an insurance policy. Yeah. Um, and, and and Taysom may not pan out. 
playing quarterback at the in the NFL level is really really hard, and most guys that try it fail, right? That I mean that just is what it is. And I hope Taysom succeeds and he's the starter for New Orleans next year and gets a full shot at being a starting quarterback because he certainly um, certainly has put in all the work to do that. But you look at Taysom Hill and you say, and we've talked about this before, Tebow, everybody but Corderell Stewart, you know, uh, Cordell Stewart? What was his Cordell name? Stewart slash? Yeah, yeah, slash. He and Taysom are one of the only quarterbacks that have been willing to do all of this gadget stuff. Now, Cordell Stewart ended up, of course, turning it into a second career portion of what he was doing. But most of these guys won't do what... And and the teammates love Taysom. Like, you can see those linemen, when he scores, they're super excited for him. Right? Um, So I think, you know, good for him. And uh, he's... I hope he does really well again. And I won my fantasy matchup with our sister because I used him at tight end on ESPN. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, which you can't do this week anymore. I cannot. I'm really disappointed. The one week I had, I'm in a couple of fantasy leagues, one with some guys from my award and stake. And um, I had him in that league sitting on my bench all year. Then he gets the start. A couple people text me, and they're like, oh, here you go. This Now you have him. Now you get to take this shot. I'm playing, I think, the second best team in the league. This guy's probably going to win. Probably going to win. And um, I'm like, oh, this is it. I basically got two quarterbacks. I still lost. Yeah. That's that's how bad the rest of my roster is. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I understand. Extremely um, frustrating. Next question. We've got to talk about Washington because this is stupid. Uh, Dallin Parker at Dallin Parker on Twitter says, I'm interested, not Dallin's question. Your question isn't stupid. Uh, Stuart Mandel is stupid. All right. Sorry, I just wanted to be clear. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on not playing Washington. I personally feel like we had more to lose than to gain. And after watching the Utah-USC game, I don't think Utah would be a good option either. Cincinnati has an opening December 5th. Cincinnati or nothing. Uh, We were never playing Washington. I, I don't understand how the national press didn't get that. That was never happening. Right, Washington reached out to us as a backup plan. We had a conver- Homo had a conversation with them and either countered and or said, You're, "We're going to have to wait until after the thing come out." And now Washington is playing Utah this weekend anyway. It was never going to happen. We so, were Washington's backup to their backup. They wanted to make sure that they had a game this weekend, and they looked at the landscape. This okay, our opponents out. We'll likely get this other game because Arizona State's going to have to cancel. So they started game planning for the University of Utah, which they were already doing. Right. And then they reached out to BYU just in case Utah then had a COVID problem. So they wanted to have a third team lined up to play this weekend to make sure that they had a game. But the the likelihood that we get to that point and that game ever gets played is was extremely, extremely low. It was very low. And everybody who's looked at this objectively understands that that was the scenario. Yeah. yeah. So so let's next question is from Josh Haslam on the same topic at BYU of C. He says, Pac-12 policy seems like it was designed to discourage non-conference games. You're right on, Josh. Testing requirements are reasonable, maybe, uh, but no guarantee in home game only. What teams would be desperate enough to accept these terms? So far, none. And I'm guessing the Pac-12, maybe they get a lower G5 that just wants some exposure, 
but I'm guessing they get no takers at an out-of-conference the rest of the year. That's my guess. Maybe on that last weekend when it's between that and not playing if there's a bunch of COVID cases. The only team, if you buy the if you buy the national narr- narrative, the only team that might get suckered into this would be Cincinnati. If Cincinnati believes that they need a win against a Pac-12 opponent to make themselves a viable candidate for a playoff spot, they might come in and say, "Okay, we'll be the third person down on your dance card, and if no- nobody else is available, we'll show up and play you." But 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 I- even if I'm Cincinnati, I don't say I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it, but I, I know nothing about their athletic director or or how they're viewing their own situation. Guys, uh, let me be really clear about BYU and Cincinnati. They are not getting in the college football playoff. That was very clear from the rankings today. They will never, this committee will never put either of those teams. People say, no, no, Cincinnati, seventh. Yeah, that's, they're not. Cincinnati is not getting in the college football playoff. They didn't put UCF in a few years ago. They're not putting in Cincinnati. So if you're Cincinnati, there is no reason to play any other game. You just play out your schedule. You don't play BYU. Now, they may decide not to do it that way, and that's fine. They can decide to do whatever they want. But if I'm Cincinnati, there's no reason to add anything. All I've got is to potentially fall backwards and not be the G5 team that gets automatically the New Year's Six. Though I think even if they lose to a good team, they're probably still the G5 winner, right? What if they lose to BYU on December 5th? Are they still the G5 winner? If it's a close game, yes. Yeah, I think you might be correct. Uh, But if I'm Cincinnati, I don't play anybody. But like you said, I don't know anything about their athletic director or what they want to do. Right, but if I'm their athletic director, I don't sign up to play a Pac-12 team, and I don't sign up to play BYU. Not if I stick where I'm at, and I go to a New Year's Six game bowl. Not if the Pac-12 can back out on Thursday. That's insane. It's an it's an insane clause. It it makes no sense. I don't. Why would anybody agree to this? I I don't know. And you're going to have to travel there and pay for those expenses in a year where athletic budgets are getting hammered. Come on, Pac-12. It's stupid. I think the Pac-12. No, I think, but I, you know, I think that Josh is is right here. I think the Pac-12 put together a policy that made the hurdle extremely high for a non-conference game to happen, but they were trying to, they wanted to give a little bit because their teams were worried about being to schedule, being able to schedule games, and there were other teams out in the West who were saying, well, we might, we're starting late too, and we might want to play a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I think they were trying to offer some type of a concession, but in reality, it, I mean, if you just look it. Uh, if you look at the policy as applied, it just nobody's going to play in one of those games. Nobody's going to play it. No, no, no one's going to play one of those games. I, I shouldn't say nobody. I, it's very unlikely they get a non-conference game. But why would you like if you were if you're I mean if you're Nevada? Let's just I'm just I'm just I, I, I'm just picking like a Mountain West school. Would you go play one of these Pac-12 teams in December no. just to get another game on your no, schedule? You would. I. You would. But like, yeah, let's because there's on. also I, no I payout, the right? There's. Isn't that it's one no of the payout. clauses that there's no payout? There's no like, payout. There's nothing. What's the incentive for there's anybody no. to go play one of these games? Yeah, it's stupid. The whole thing's dumb. We've. But we've talked about it too much with my Twitter, with our Twitter account, and now we've talked about it too much on the show because it's dumb. The whole All thing's right, dumb. Let's move on. The whole Pac-12 thing's dumb. Uh, Pac-12 sucks. Steve at Cougar Tears says happy. How happy are you that BYU is not in the Pacthetic 12? Oh, we would totally go to the Pac-12, right? Wouldn't I, you we take the invited, invitation tomorrow? I would take any invitation I to mean, a five conference. Yeah, yeah. I would take so, it today. Yeah, I would, I would totally do it. Even though they're run poorly, it's better than the alternatives. Uh, Sweeney, one, Sweeney. One, 
is wondering when Stuart Mandel is going to make an appearance. I invited him on the show on Twitter. He's ducking my interview. He's scared. He's scared. Um, Andre Hutchins says this at AC underscore Hutchins. What are the best worst outcomes for BYU from this Pac-12 smear campaign over the last few years? I've had the impression, and we've had we have a couple of these questions. Um, uh, Doctor Nick also asks something later about this about the Pac-12 smearing us. I'm going to say two things on this smearing thing. I don't think the Pac-12 was smearing us. We have a good relationship with the Pac-12 today and play lots of games with them. I think a university administrator was annoyed at BYU and leaked something to the press. That's what I think happened. They were annoyed that BYU didn't bow down and agree to sign a contract that could be broken by Washington and would have been right today um, as they got scheduled to be play Utah. And uh, I just think that I am this smear campaign. You want to learn about this, how I feel about it. Go read post Jimmer, Steve Pierce's, thread on this. I don't think this is bad for BYU. Um this this Pac-12 smear thing. I don't think there were a couple of idiot sports writers including Mandel who are completely non-athletic and a bunch of Ute fans that were fired up about it. Other than that, none of the national uh reporters that I respect were smashing BYU. None of them. What's interesting is if you watch the college football rankings reveal show and I, I didn't see all of it. But it was not part of the narrative when BYU popped up where they did. And I know no. we're going to get to this in a minute. But it was not part of the narrative no. among, you know, Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreit, and these guys. No, um, because— It wasn't—they wasn't, They did ask Kalani about it. But what the major—their major reaction was something else. I, I think that most people look and can see this for exactly what, what it was. Now, the fact that somebody from the University of Washington leaked it and what their motives were I, I think is difficult. I mean, I, I don't know, but— uh, some uh, clearly that person. I mean, I've got words for or to describe that person and their activity, but uh, it. But it. I mean, it is. I, I don't know. It's 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 frustrating. But I don't know that I could say that it's a coordinated campaign by the Pac-12 to smear BYU. No. However, if I were homo, one of my very first phone calls uh, would have been to the to the commissioner of the Pac-12, and then I would have called. I would have also called these other schools that I've got games scheduled with. I would have, I would have called the, yeah, I would have called the AD at UW and said, what the heck? Come on. Come on, guys. Don't leak stuff about negotiations. It's classless. It's stupid. You got to get your athletic department under control. That's what I would have done. Right. I'm not right. interested in negotiating things with you if you can't behave like a Yeah, thing. yeah. If we're, we're not going to negotiate these in the press. Because, like, I mean, the University of Washington form. already came into this negotiation acting, I believe, acting in bad faith understanding the own requirements, the requirements out there by the Pac-12. They knew they knew what they were asking and that it was ridiculous. And then to, on top of that, uh, allow somebody in their department to leak a version of the story that isn't even accurate. Um, it, it, I mean, it's just, it's insane. Like, why, why would you do business with somebody who behaves that way? Why would you continue to negotiate down the road with somebody who behaves that way? Yeah, it's, um, it's bad for them. And I'm, I am guaranteeing that some of the Pac-12 teams that have good relationships with BYU were slapping their heads like, come on, guys. Right? Like, they've, we both need each other, right? We need those P5 games, and we are a great plug for them um, that week of Thanksgiving going forward when they've got these rivalry games. Because they can play a quality s- program late in the year and not play some junk game. But to come, if I come back to kind of 
another piece of Dallin's question here is, um, or whoever's question we're on at this point, because there were a lot of questions on this Washington. Yeah, there thing. was a bunch of questions. In a scenario where Washington calls and says on Sunday or whatever day the first, maybe it was Saturday, whatever day the first phone call happened, and said, let's sign up, let's play Saturday, guaranteed, you're the opponent unless one of us gets COVID, this is the show. Like, you take that. You take that game and you play it. Yes. And I, I believe that I believe that BYU feels that way. I think that Kalani was hoping that that's where they were going to end up. He had the team ready. Uh, they, you know, everybody canceled their plans for the week for Thanksgiving. They'd started game planning for Washington over the weekend, and they practiced Monday with Washington as the as the as the opponent. Right. So, you know, and this whole thing, and Kalani came out. You know, they asked him about this scenario that they were scared of of Washington. And I love Kalani's response to that: is we're not scared of Washington. We're not scared of anybody. And, and this whole scenario, this whole narrative that any of these teams are scared of each other is is dumb. I mean, he didn't say exactly that, but that's essentially what he said. He said Washington's not afraid of us. We're not afraid of them. We were very, we had a very aggressive schedule. We we were committed to playing football over the summer. We went out and scheduled anybody who would who would sign up to play us. And but what he came just short of saying was this: you know who wouldn't sign up to play us in August was the Pac-12, right? Washington yep. wasn't wasn't going to set up a game with us in August or September. So to show up now and say, hey, we're going to throw out these weird requirements and stipulations that nobody – why would anybody agree to this? Um, and then to try and point the finger back at BYU makes makes no sense. If you've been paying attention to the actual narrative here, the whole thing is just garbage. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. Uh, Stu, that's at CPA underscore Cougar. He, I'm going to paraphrase this question because we're – uh, we haven't even started talking about the college football playoff rankings. We're like 40 minutes in, though we've kind of talked about it. Um, he wants to know if there are internal biases for college football journalists and distaste for BYU. Um, you know, I'll say this, former journalists speaking, right? Everybody has biases. And impartiality of journalism is a myth, right? Uh, academically speaking. And when people talk about that, they should be impartial. I'm always like, yeah, they're human beings, so we're not really good at that, being impartial. Yes, probably some of them should do uh, do more, um, try to be more like that ideal, sure. But I will say this, most of the college football national writers have respected BYU, and we've had so much good press this year that I think it's a little disingenuous for us to say there's some, you know, college football journalists around the country hate BYU. There are a few that clearly like to poke BYU fans and may have some biases against the church or BYU. That's sure. I mean, there's lots of college football journalists out there. I would say, though, you know, if you look at the outrage tonight on college football rankings, BYU is getting talked about so much, and it's almost all, can you believe how low they ranked BYU? This committee's insane, right? So, well, and I think, yeah, I, I, I just don't think that the narrative of college football journalists hate us is actually true there's always going to be haters no matter who you are and i think there's two really good examples that you see in what has happened today that help that help prove your point one is looking at the ap rankings versus the college football playoff committee rankings right if you look at the ap rankings and you can look at everybody's ballot and you can see who has us pushed out a little bit higher but we're pretty well consistently top 10 uh top 10 ranked on those ballots so you know, in, in terms of respected uh, college football journalists, I, I think there's 
I think there's a pretty good respect for who we are. The other is when if you watch if you go back and watch on ESPN, those guys talking when those rankings came out, they were saying things like, "Do these people in the committee not actually watch the games?" Because if you with the eye test, this BYU team is is definitely better than 14. Yeah. And so I, I, I like you said, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who see it the way that we see it. There's a couple of people out there that are getting a lot of clicks based on pushing buttons to get people fired up. But that's that's all those guys are doing. That's all Mandel was doing last night. And, and quite frankly, I I if I had to go back in time, I wouldn't have responded to Mandel. He's a clown. Right. So it's it's useless to get in these conversations because he and others like him are not interested in. Uh, actual discussions, right? Yeah, he got exactly what he wanted last night. Yeah, and I participated, and I wish I wouldn't have. Uh, Clayton Smiley sent us an email. This is a different topic before we head to college football playoff. I'm going to paraphrase his as well. Basically, he's wondering if COVID has potentially had the situation, not the virus itself, has had a positive effect on the team. For example, the isolation helps them prepare, get better food to eat, sleep, uh, playing game with a purpose, uh, more concentration. Um, Matt, what's your take on that? That maybe the situation has benefited BYU as a team. So I will say, if we think about COVID as an impact, for just if I even back up and say COVID as a health impact, I mean, we know that there were some cases early in the season. We know mm-hmm. Hodge had it and missed a bunch of games, dealt with pneumonia, pneumonia right. related to it. Um, so I think there's there's those physical tolls would, and likely lingering effects for those players who were infected. But then some of these other externalities, Ulysses, I think, you know, I don't know if you heard, but Zach Wilson took the opportunity during isolation to travel to California <laughs> and work with John Beck. So I think that, you know, th- some of that I think was good. I think I think it's probably a mixed bag. I think a handful of people took it as an opportunity to uh, get themselves more focused in preparation for the season. Um, but I think, you know, it's just like it's just like all of us. Right. Everybody has handled what we've been through in 2020 a little bit differently for some people, the, the physical isolation and the social isolation has, has taken, has taken a great toll on, on people's health and ability to focus and concentrate and their performance in their jobs and other situations. So I I absolutely believe there's some of that negative impact that is, that is, uh, that has hurt this team as well. Um, but that's going to be true for every team across the country. Um, you know, because it, it just as a microcosm of society at large, I, I just, you know, you're going to see a wide variety of impacts. Yeah, I just, uh, it's a great question. I just don't know how to answer it because I'm not close enough to the team to know that overall impact, besides the 10-hour drives to California. Um, and the other piece is, I would think that net, it would be the same for most teams, right? Uh, unless you handled it for some reason because of your coaching staff or the players that you had. And, and maybe you could make the argument BYU is more mature and the guys are older. Maybe they handle it better. But I, I just don't know how to answer that. Great question, though. Let's talk about the college football playoff. So that's our last topic for today. You guys might have been waiting and are now like, come on, guys. So Randy Whittle on Facebook says, the rankings came out. BYU's at 14, got hosed. How important is it will be for us to get another quality game on the schedule? Is there a reasonable path to a New Year's Six Bowl game if our schedule stands pat? Uh, so two questions there, Matt. Does BYU need to schedule another game? Yes or no? Uh, probably. Only if it's top 20. Yeah, that's I fair think. enough. Only if it's a top 20 opponent. And most of those, by the way, we can't schedule. So we're only talking about, what, Cincinnati? 
Is that all we're talking about, really, when it comes down to it, right? Because we're not playing the ACC or SEC schools or the Big Ten schools. And the Big 12 schools have all played their... Uh, so maybe Coastal Carolina or Marshall um, are the other schools that would make sense. But the other one is, is there a reasonable path to the near six? I believe the answer is still yes. Matt? Uh if yes, if we don't is. add another if we don't add another game without adding another game yes. yeah there is yeah uh, chaos we've talked about that before right we'll benefit from that the other piece is the outcry read again post jimmer's thing the outcry against the committee this week is, i think BYU goes up next week without even having done anything and what will really help is if Indiana or Iowa State, which, by the way, that has to be the worst ranking in the group, right? Like, Iowa State? It makes no sense to me. Like, they're above BYU? They lost to freaking Louisiana. Am I mixing them up with somebody else? Uh, no, I believe that's correct. And that's not LSU, by the way. Yeah, that's Louisiana. Um, that's, uh, used to be Louisiana Katie. Lafayette, right? But they don't go just by that anymore. Just Make sure we're clear there. And Oak two loss Oklahoma that lost to Kansas State. Yeah, that's a it's a head scratcher, right? So I mean, so let's do this. Let's do this. Here's our game for today. Who's better than BYU? I'm going to go through all the teams that are ranked ahead of us. Who would be favored? How about the, we'll change it to this? Who would be favored in this matchup? Okay. Uh, BYU versus Alabama. Alabama's favorite. By a couple touchdowns, probably. Right? Sure. BYU versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame's favorite. By maybe like seven and a half, eight? Maybe? I was probably more like 10. I mean, come on. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know if the. I don't think Vegas has a lot of confidence in the Irish. Yeah, I I have not watched their spreads. That might be true. Yeah. Uh, Clemson. Clemson's favorite favorite in that game. By a couple touchdowns. Ohio State, same thing. Right, mm-hmm. Texas A and M. I mean, the well, analytics will tell you. We're, is that to Florida? Who's their loss to? Uh, I don't remember. But the 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 we're as far as the computers are concerned, we're the same team. Or BYU's a little better. I I think BYU would not be favored in this game because Vegas would go off the name recognition to get the bets going. But I think it's a three three and a half. Point spread, and you could make an argument that BYU should be ranked higher than them. Well, what's interesting too is if you look, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's if you look at strength of schedule on that same thing, and and kind of how people and the predictors and some of these other numbers, this, the gap is not nearly as wide as it might appear by looking at either even the AP rankings, which seem a little bit more reasonable than the college football playoff rankings. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this: we what we've just determined. And this will be a theme going through this. Is there are four really, really good teams, and there's everybody else today, right? That may separate over time. Um, Florida, I think Florida would be favored. Yeah, uh, but but we'd score a lot of points against them. Cincinnati, we'd be favored in that game. Yes, we would be favored in that game. Uh, Northwestern, we would be favored in that game. I agree. Uh, Georgia, we would not. But I don't think Georgia's that, that good and should not be ahead of us. But I think Georgia would be favored by a little bit. Georgia's probably still a top 10 team. Uh, 
But the, I don't think that at the end of the season, I think Georgia could still be ranked in the top 10. I don't believe that Northwestern or Indiana will be in the top 10 at the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at the Massey composite ratings, Georgia's at 12th. Okay. And if you look at the uh, football outsiders ratings, Georgia's at eighth, but BYU's at third. So, I mean, I think they would be, I think it would be a close spread, I guess I should say. Um, in that particular case. Uh, what about Miami? I think Miami got kind of disrespected here a little bit at where they're at versus some of the uh, SEC schools. I don't know. I'm not sure that I buy that Miami's that good. Yeah, maybe not. They're in um, Football Outsiders has them at... Why can't I find them? Are they super low? Oh, they're, they're probably 23rd. super low. Sagarin has them. Yeah, got them at twenty-four. Ooh. And they're, you know, it's they've got a lower strength of schedule than some of these other teams in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, Never mind. You know, I take that their back. Overall, I'm wrong. Their overall rating doesn't even put them in the in the in in, in reach yeah. of the top ten. So Oklahoma BYU would be favored in that game. Yeah, I think that might that would prob that's probably true. I mean. Indiana BYU that's a tough one because I think I think people are disrespecting Indiana I watched that Ohio State game I think they're pretty good yeah whatever I hate to say it out loud but I think it's true that being said the computers don't love them they're 17th um in football outsiders um Iowa State BYU would be favored by two touchdowns and I'm not joking and Sagarin's got Iowa State even lower than Miami uh Iowa State is they're not good. I don't understand that ranking. That one is like inexplicable to me. And the other one that's inexplicable to me is Oregon. I don't understand why Oregon is 3-0 and and way down there and Ohio State is 11 spots ahead of them. Absolutely. But I don't understand how you could justify a 3-0 and Oregon. I get it. They haven't played anybody. But Iowa State hasn't beat anybody. <laughs> right? Um, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, let's keep going on the questions. Brian Taylor, I'm going to uh, paraphrase his because he had a long one. But basically what he's saying is Cincinnati and BYU have a similar strength of schedule. And that's not debatable, right, by the analytics. It's pretty – Cincinnati's a little bit better, but not a ton. Yeah, but they're it's basically the same number. I've, I've looked at a couple different rankings for this, and people have them basically in the same place. Yeah, so so I would say, Brian, you're absolutely right. It's a joke. It doesn't make any sense. And the logic that they at least said out loud was inconsistent, right? Because they said, well, B- Boise State was undermanned. But you could make the same argument that Notre Dame beat uh, Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. But I don't buy that crap. I don't it's we're talking about a sample set of like 10 or 12 games max. I I think you just got to rate it off what happened. This isn't college basketball and the committee putting together where you're putting 66 teams, 68 teams in a tournament, right? This is a small sample size. If you're not playing with your full team, that sucks, but everybody does it almost every week, right? Yeah. Almost every week. That's just part of the deal. Uh, we we hit Dr. Nick's question earlier. I don't believe this is a conspiracy. He he basically asks, he's not usually into conspiracy theories, but he says, uh, but he thinks maybe this is one, the Pac-12 trying to keep us out of a New York 6 spot. Am I crazy or should I put a little more tinfoil on my hat? Um, wouldn't it be take off the tinfoil hat? 
I think the suggestion there would be to take off the tinfoil hat. It's unnecessary. Yeah, it's unnecessary. That's, that's really that's the gag there. Uh, um, do I don't think this is a concerted effort by the Pac-12. Do do I think that there were teams that are disappointed with the with the way this may have impacted BYU's the way BYU is viewed by the committee? No. I think that some people were not were not disappointed by the way it played out, but I don't know that everybody got to, anybody got together and said we're going to throw this out there. I think yeah. Washington wanted a backup to their backup. They didn't get what they wanted because we didn't want to concede to their ridiculous demands, and some disgruntled employee in their athletic department called somebody. Yeah, called somebody. I mean, that's what happened. Um, on a similar note, Gray Gutley, that's at Gray Gutley 2 on Twitter, says, I noticed one of the college football committee members is from Wyoming. Do you think they could play a role in BYU position in the ri- ranking? Hashtag hot dogs are sandwiches. I, I almost said not sandwiches, but that's not what he wrote. That's not what he wrote. So um, I would say I, I don't buy into I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. And is this guy biased against BYU? I don't know him. I don't know. I, and I, w- I, I don't think you want to start blaming this. I think you want to blame this on what I believe it is. Just piss poor analytics and understanding of modern college football from well, those think, committee members. That's what I think there's is. a couple things here. The committee members know who, where their bread is buttered, right? The system is set up to favor the power conferences. Oh, of that, course. And that's just a fact, yeah. okay? Um, you know, and so it's the the hurdle for a G5 or non-P5 team, right, to get into the playoff is extremely high. And we this is we've seen this historically. Um, I never thought that you know getting ranked high enough in, to get into a playoff was was really was really a thing. Yeah. Um, but the, it's just it, that, that they're not going to hand that out unless they something really crazy is going to have to happen the the year that that goes down. I um, think I think if the Big Ten and the Pac-12 had not played, if they had really shut it down and not played at all, you had an outside shot of a non-P5 team making the playoff. Even then, though, I think it, what would have happened is two SEC teams, a Big Ten team, and an ACC team. Yep. So I, I get what people are saying, like, which is why I don't think Cincinnati schedules another game, is because they don't have a shot. Their players and the coaches are going to want it, right? Because they want to take that shot. you got to take that shot at a college football playoff if you can. The answer is there is no shot, right? It's like you see the hoop up there and you think, oh, I can make a shot. It's a, it's a three-quarter court shot, but I can make it. I'll, I should at least try. But what you... What's really happening is if it gets close, there's a guy there with a broom and he's going to knock the ball away, right? Well, right. I don't know why a, a scenario broom. Like why that, does he need a broom? Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just very tall. Yeah, but very I, tall. But I think that in a scenario like that, people are going to say things like, well, what do you have to lose? If you're Cincinnati, you have a huge payday coming in a New Year's Six Bowl. That's what you have to lose. So the, the business decision, if you're Cincinnati, is you don't schedule another game. You've got a top 25 ranked team on your schedule right now. That yes. you will beat. Right? And, and, now, well, no, no. I don't know if you will. Have you watched Tulsa? Well, They're pretty uh, good. Maybe, maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. Maybe they lose that game. Yeah. But you have you already have what you need on your schedule, I guess is my point. Yeah, yeah. You don't, totally. You don't need to schedule anybody you, else. You don't if you're Cincinnati, you don't need to schedule anyone because there's no upside for it. There's only downside. If, if they you got take on one of these Pac twelve games and lose, you're you're done. Stop talking about the Pac twelve. They're not Nobody's playing a Pac-12 team. The team that they could play is us. 
And if they play us and lose and get beat handily, they lose the New Year's Six Bowl and Marshall jumps them. Or Coastal Carolina, pick one, right? They would plummet in the rankings if they got destroyed. And they now risk, even if they beat Tulsa to end it, they now risk not getting that big payday. What is it, $20 million bucks this year? I forget. It's lower than usual, I think. But it's a big amount of money. And if you're Cincinnati, you want that money as an athletic program, right? Um, I get it. The players and the coaches may feel differently, but they don't make the decisions on any of this. Um, so I'm with you. They're not going to do it. Um, so Jared Burge, BYU Burge, am I saying that right? You think it's Burge? I think it's Burge. Burge. It's not Bergy. Could be Bergy. Um, you guys have gone on record saying that BYU shouldn't schedule another game because of the risk of losing. Now has our opinion changed? I think we've talked about this already, but I'll go back to it. Matt, has your opinion changed? If BYU, if Cincinnati calls and says we're in, BYU should take it? Yes, no. Yes. Okay. What if Coastal Carolina or Marshall calls? Yes. What if a mediocre Mountain West or uh, Pac-12 team calls? Yes. If the Pac-12 team is willing to drop these ridiculous demands. Yes. Even if it's not a good Pac-12 team. I don't care who it is. So it could be anybody. Mm -hmm. I'd take any of them. I don't... Yeah, at this point, you probably have to because, well, I mean, Kalani went on TV and said he'll play anybody. So it's not just a headband anymore on well, your quarterback. But, what, but Kalani had a caveat in there, right? Like, we'll play anybody as long as the terms make sense is what yep. is basically what he said. Yep. So and I think and I think you have to stick to that. I, I think that I think you take the Washington game. I believe the BYU would have taken the Washington game had Washington been able to guarantee a game. But Washington wasn't offering a game. Right. But if anyone in the country calls you and offers you a game, you take it, I think, at this point, and you you play it. Yeah. And, and basically, that we're talking about two dates. We're talking about, and Kalani said it um, in his interview, you're talking about the 5th of December and the 19th of December, or thereabouts. It could be the Friday games, right? Um, that's what you're talking about. And, and there's a limited amount of teams that are available. And w- what about somebody like a UMass? I think that's useless. Yeah, it's probably useless, and I might I, I would only take that if it's like Tuesday and we're gonna play Saturday and we know that there's nobody else showing up. And we and Kalani has are I believe that Kalani has already signaled that they're not gonna play somebody on just two or three days notice. So that's probably not a scenario, right? Like if if UMass calls you today and wants to play December December fifth, I mean I'm not signing that contract today. I'm gonna drag my feet on that because I want to see if I can get a, an actual opponent. Yeah, but um. Yeah, yeah, and so I think that's yeah. fair. But does Liberty have them open? Uh, I think they do. I'd do Liberty, right? They've had a good year. Uh, they have the nineteenth open, but not the fifth because they play Coastal Carolina on the fifth. And what's Coastal Carolina's schedule look like? Obviously the fifth, and then they've got the Sun Belt Championship on the nineteenth, so they're probably out as well, unless they unless they lose a game and aren't going to be in that. So, I don't know. There's not a lot of choices. That's I think that is the biggest problem here, is unless the Pac-12 changes or would guarantee a game, your your choices are very limited on who would be available to play on those two dates. It's not non-existent. It's just, I, I think 
Homo could try very hard to schedule a game for one of those dates and be willing to do it and strike out completely. Right? Well, I think that's the thing we all have to keep in mind is it's not like it's not like Homo's like not scheduling games. It's not like he doesn't right. want to play games. You know, he just you you just like you 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 can only play the games that people are actually willing to play. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I mean you have a you have a a limited amount. What about army on the 5th? We take that in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think what I'm saying is, you know, whatever like the, the week before the 5th, whatever that date is. Um so is that like this Saturday? That's this uh, Saturday, yeah. So I I think whatever your best option is on that Saturday, if you have a list or if it, if it's just a, a list of one, I think you just yeah, I think you take whatever it is. Yeah. Even and I think even at that point if it's UMass. Yeah. If you're not having any conversation with somebody better, and UMass is saying, "Yeah, we'll fly out there and play you," I think you take them, and you just and you just you beat them by 50 points, and then you move on. What if you have to pay UMass's travel expenses and a little more? Because that's probably what you'd have to do. Well, you got Well, yeah, you got to give. There's got to be a payout, right? Because yeah, what yeah. did we just say about one of you know the list of things that the Pac-12 was doing that that kind of were irking all of us right we're tweaking us was this part of this is this lack of a play yeah you got to give them a payout yeah yeah it's a, it, the thing is this is highly complex and i feel like the the reporters that have had bad takes and i picked on mandel very much tonight and i don't feel bad about it um but the porter the reporters that have had bad takes have made this seem simple and this year is so not simple for any college football team not just byu right navy um Army is an independent, right? They're independent. Um, UMass, the Mountain West starts late. You know, Utah, our, you know, rival, I mean, their season has been terrible, right? How terrible is that for Whittingham and the players there? And I know a lot of people listening to this may not have a lot of sympathy for the University of Utah, but how terrible that's been, right? And our brother Don wants us to end on a uh, good note. He says, it's fun to hear the ESPN team talk about BYU being ranked too low. We need to see this mostly half full. And, and he had already asked a question on a different tweet, basically saying, what's our favorite part about this season? Or And, and I'll say that I'll, we should end on that because in the end, BYU has gotten to play nine games. We've won all nine games. It sucks what the college football playoff committee did. The funny thing is, I'm so fired up about it, Matt, and I knew it was going to happen. I didn't think Cincinnati would be as high as they were. I thought they'd be like 10 or 11, and I thought we'd be 12, 13, or 14. And I still got fired up about it. Why am I fired up about it? I knew this, what the committee was going to do, right? Well, and we, like, we knew we weren't going to be sniffing the playoff, right? I think that the thing that's hurting a lot of us right now is that this ranking makes it appear that a New Year's Six Bowl may it's be difficult. out of reach. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's true. This ranking, I I thought if we were at 12th, which I thought we were going to be about 12th, right? 12, 13, 14 was our worst case scenario, which has Yeah, I think I said last week ten between 10 and 12. Yeah. And, and if, if you had been 12th, you feel pretty good. You still may want to add another game because if everybody keeps winning, you could just stick there at 12 or even fall. Right, and San Diego State being not great doesn't help us either. Um, you know, that would have. But, but I think if you're sitting at 12, right, and you look at the teams and that 
the teams in front of you and, you know, remaining games on schedules and, and these things. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe not Northwestern, but I, I think Northwestern has a shot and maybe run in the table, but um, then you have to see what happens in terms of a big 10 championship. You know, Georgia could lose another game. Um, you know, I, I, I think if you're a 12, you feel like there's enough space there for some chaos they could bump you up and you 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 may end up in a, in a New Year's Six bowl if you take care of business. At 14 it just it feels like hey we may beat San Diego State and still be you know 14. Yeah. When it's all said and done and sitting on the outside and playing in the potato bowl, right? Um so let's end on the positive note like Don's saying, what has been your favorite part about this season? Or it could be more than one thing. Um, my favorite part about this season is the fact that I got to watch a BYU game in person. Um, that's pretty fun. You know, especially in a year like this, when we didn't think that we're going to be, you know, there might not have even been games and then might not be even have fans at games. Um, I got to go and see a BYU game and it was an exciting game and it was a win. Um, and I got to go with my kids. It was fun. Uh, so for me, that's, that's been the favorite part about this. A close second is watching the development of Zach Wilson as a quarterback and as like a as a face of the program type of guy, um, that's that's been a lot that's been a lot of fun to see, and, and I've really enjoyed the way he's handled it. Yeah, I'll just throw one in addition to what you said, um, which is because the Zach Wilson one is spot on for me. Is Dax Mill? That has been one of my favorite parts about this season. Is you've got this former walk on uh, that honestly, I've said this multiple times. I'll own it. I did not think he would be anything more than a fourth or fifth option for the Cougars. And he is putting together a easily top 10 wide receiver season for NBYU history. Maybe by the end of his top five or top three. I mean, he's uh, pro football focused, has him as the fifth graded wide receiver in all of college football this year. It's amazing. It's so cool what he's done going from and if you look at what he did early on this isn't well nobody noticed him and he had the had all this together from the day he stepped on campus that is not the story the story is he had some good talent he had some good abilities and he made the most out of it and that's a really cool story and he is been he's been lights out this year oh yeah he's been amazing but he put in some work he put in a lot of work. And then the other one is the offensive line. We've been waiting for this offensive line to play at an elite level. Injuries uh, have, I think, kept that from happening the last couple of years. And this year, even though there have been, you know, as you said, Hodge missed some games because of, uh, of illness. This, I mean, you may have, Brady Christensen is the top, isn't he the, yeah, Pro Football Focus has him as the top-rated offensive lineman this year. It We're looking at potentially this offense will generate two first-round draft picks. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. Right? So I look at this and I'm just... I get that we're all fired up and we're all ticked off at the College Football Playoff Committee. And yes, we have reason to be because the, the, the rankings are a joke, clearly. Um and, and hopefully they rectify that next week. Um, but I'm not holding my breath. But what I'll say is this. This is a special season that regardless of the outcome, yes, we'll be annoyed if we don't get a New Year's Six Bowl and win out. 
But what a great season in a year that kind of stunk for a lot of other reasons. Like you said, you got to go to the game in person. I didn't get that experience, but I look forward to BYU football games as much as I have in a decade since we've been recording this podcast. Easily, this is my favorite season, and it's not even close. And that's true even if we don't make the New Year's Six, right? Yeah, we th- we can't let other people's decisions or evaluations of the team kind of dampen our enjoyment of what these what these guys have done because yeah. it, it is something special. And you know what? If we don't go to New Year's Six Bowl, they're going to send us. We'll go to some. We'll go to Las Vegas Bowl, and we're going to beat the tar out of somebody and win by forty points, yeah. right? And then we'll have we'll have this eleven game string of these giant wins. And we'll get to watch, you know, Zach Wilson go and, you know, get drafted highly and go on to some success, hopefully. And I, there's a lot about this season to be excited about that's independent of, you know, somebody who just who doesn't watch tape but still gets to vote <laughs> about how teams are ranked. So uh, this is going to make people throw up in their mouth a little bit, but you know, it's going to be great when Zach Wilson gets taken by the Patriots and they win a Super Bowl. I in, in 14 months, 15. I'm. As soon as he gets drafted, I'm ordering my jersey. I'm going to start with just a jersey. Is it for the Patriots or wherever he goes? uh, For the Patriots. I'm not Uh, getting it. Come on. Stop it. What if it's the Niners? Getting a Niners jersey? No. 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 Oh, is there any team besides the Patriots where you would buy his shirt? The Texans or the Saints? Well, the Texans are not drafting him. Negative, so, and neither are the Saints. And I think the Saints will not; they'll be they'll be too low. I I don't think they wouldn't. I think Sean Payton, uh, uh he's an interesting duck, right? He might, um, but yeah, they're not going to have the chance to do that. Um, yeah, I I mean, I would I wouldn't buy the jersey. I would finally get a jersey, which I haven't owned a Patriots jersey. Well, I still own it. But I haven't bought one since Drew Bledsoe. See, I have a Tom Brady jersey and a Kyle Van Noy jersey, both of which are useless to me right now. They will be in the future, though. Once the Brady, Brady jersey, retires. Yeah, both of them will be great down down the yeah. road, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably end up hanging the Brady one up or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, you can't wear them right now. You can't wear them. Um, which, by the way, is another evidence of how hard it is to play quarterback at at in the NFL, right? Brady's up and down year with the Bucks. It's really hard to play quarterback at the NFL. That's why I hope Taysom does well, but it's tough. Well, Matt, you there's always another guy behind you. There's always another guy behind you and the defenses are so good. Right? The windows in the NFL are so small, right? It's um you know, it's it's a tough deal. Well, this has been a great season. It has been a blast to do these shows this year. Um, we've had great interaction with you guys as the listeners, great tweet bag questions. Sorry that we missed some tonight or didn't get to all of your question just because, uh, we had so many and we're already at an hour or something. I don't know, an hour and 10. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, you're all listening to this and you're going to go, you're all going to be all the way here because, because that's how we are this week. We're all fired up. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for downloading and listening. Um, if you want to support the podcast, you can do it at patreon.com slash rise and shout. Um, and, you know, always join us in the conversation on Facebook and, and the Twitter machine and wherever else you may find us. Heck, maybe it'll be in a Zoom meeting, Matt. You might find us in a Zoom meeting. 
Coming to a coming to a zoom near you. Yeah, coming to to a zoom near you. Well, thanks everybody, and we will catch you next time. Go Cougars. Go Cougars.